Good morning. I felt like I just heard some Bibles opening up to Isaiah 9, chapter, verse 6. I mean, I'm like, yes, that's exciting. It's good for a preacher. Or if I didn't hear that, I'm just going to pretend I heard that, right? Because that just, that just made me feel good about it. Um, I hope you're doing well. Is everybody doing well? Merry Christmas. All right. Look, I want to do something a little different today. I say that every week, don't I? I mean, I just kind of do things a little different each week, Brandon. It's just the way it is, you know. God's been stirring something on my heart. I don't know if you've realized this, but in our world today, there's a lot of distractions. A lot of things that want to take us off from Jesus. You know, you remember me saying uh, a week or so ago how Christmas season is the perfect time for Christians to be able to initiate the conversation about Christ. This is just a great opportunity every year that we get to start this conversation with people because of the connection to Jesus. You see nativities, you see these things. Well, guess what, church? You know where you see these things that are associated with Christ and Christmas? In your homes. You don't see them much anywhere else. As a matter of fact, I've been paying close attention to new television movies that have been coming out about Christmas. And you know what I've noticed is that today in the United States of America, that you can absolutely have Christmas without Christ. As a matter of fact, one movie that I saw recently that we're just going to have this ambiguous day called Christmas and just celebrate Christmas just to celebrate something and have a day of peace and joy and kindness and let all the other days just stink. Right? Christmas without Christ is just another day of the year, y'all. But Satan is doing such a great job in distracting us that we kind of go along with it and say, well, it's just Christmas. It's okay. We can't force our thing on anything. We can't force our... Do you realize there would not be a Christmas without Jesus? Somebody say Jesus. Look, there wouldn't be Christmas without Jesus. I don't care how many Santa Clauses or Papa Noels or all that stuff. You wouldn't have Christmas without Jesus. I don't want you as one of our flock, as one of our people, as one of my oikos, my family, to go out there and think it's okay for one second to have Christmas without Jesus. Because as a matter of fact, it needs to be reversed. It needs to all be about Jesus. Look, I'm fine with all the other stuff that we do. It's fun to celebrate. It's fun to eat. It's fun to give gifts and receive gifts and all those traditions that we have. But if we get off for one moment and think it's about any of those things, we've missed the point. I mean, do you realize today we are going to speak that, that we're going to study what Isaiah spoke as prophecy about the future coming king of Christmas? Without this story, without this Jesus, without this child, this son, there is no Christmas. 
Well, we can celebrate stuff, can't we? We can. We had a, a I think it was a pretty good tradition in our home. We would um, open presents. Anybody have that tradition in your home? Right? Boy, I couldn't wait. I mean, I remember, I really, I'm, I'm getting old now. And I remember, Greg, I remember this thing. You might have been, maybe it's too young for you. I don't know. You know, not that you're old or anything. Uh, you, not, that, not that. But there was this thing called Evil Knievel. Y'all remember him? Y'all remember the little wind-up motorcycle? Look, I was a good boy that year, Greg. Santa came and hooked a brother up. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I was wheeling and dealing that thing all day. My Nana whooped me with a stick about 10 times that day because that thing was going all over her house. You know? I'll never forget it, y'all. It's fun. You know what we did before that? We all sat down. We got in a circle. And every year to this day that we open gifts, before we open gifts, we read Luke chapter 2, which we'll read tonight in our candlelight service. I hope you'll all come for this. And we'll read and we'll have this moment where we go, oh, yeah, this is what today is all about. This is what it's all about. And I want to encourage you today. As a matter of fact, I want us to do something pretty different. I know that, that stuff is happening all over this room. I know that family stuff is going on, job stuff is going on. I want us to take a, just a moment before we begin our study today of prayer. Can we do that? Can we pray today? You know, the, the Bible's pretty clear about prayer. I'll give you a short verse, and it's pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. Pray continually. So I want to ask us to do this. I want to ask you to bow your heads. Maybe you want to come and lay something at the altar figuratively before God. This is always open for you to do that. But whatever it is, let's just take a moment, and let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and just have a word of prayer. Just right there with you and the Lord, and then I'll close it. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are the light of the world. With your words, you spoke things into being, and Jesus has been there all along. But you had this grand scheme, this grand plan. This idea that he would become flesh and dwell among us. And you would teach us. And we would learn through Jesus himself. How you want us to live. What you want us to do. God. Forgive us. If we've let. The main thing. Not. Be the main thing. Forgive us when we've gotten off course. Forgive us even when just for a moment we've taken our eyes off you. Let us today be a, a course correction. Let today be a, a time of remembrance and getting back on course and keeping our eyes back on you to where we need to be. Lord, we know that there are meetings you want us to have this week with people. 
And if we're not focused on you, we're going to miss them. We're going to say Merry Christmas to somebody and it just go right over the head instead of meeting a real need, praying a real prayer, having a real time of shining Jesus on them. God, I pray for that today. I pray that we would not be a distracted people. We would be a focused people. That we would love you so much and love people so much and want to make disciples so much that all of our life, that every breath we take is about you. We need you for that. We need you to help us with that. We pray to you for those things that Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. We pray for the kingdom to come. We pray for your direction. We pray for your guidance, your protection. We thank you for those things in advance. And we love you so much. And let us just learn so that we can apply it, so that we can shine the light of Jesus this week. In his holy and precious name we pray. Amen. This morning I'm going to kind of be in a two-part series look at Isaiah 9 this week. And then and the next week we'll kind of break down those names uh, of, of Jesus that are in Isaiah 9-6. But I want us to look at 9.6 and 9.7 today because I think this message is important for us to remember, to reflect, and then to be able to respond in those things. Okay, So the scripture says this, and I hope you'll open your Bible with me. Uh, I'm going to read 6 and 7. It says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today. We ask that you Reveal yourself to us in your word. Lord, these aren't my words. These are your words. And I pray that they would sustain the life of Christ himself to us. Because we know that the word of God is Jesus. We love you so much. And ask you to speak to us today. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, this passage is full of truth nuggets. You know, it's full of things that we can learn from. You can literally break down almost each word and study this text because there's some things you need to remember and realize about this text. First of all, somebody say prophecy. This text is a prophecy. Isaiah is prophesying to uh, basically the southern Israel, uh, Israelites at that time, Judah, and he's, and he's letting them all know that, you ready? There is hope coming. Thought I'd get more amens in that, Randy, but that was good. That was a good start over there. Let me try it again. There is hope coming. Amen, amen right? Okay, so you see all the things falling around in the world, all the bad stuff going on. Well, look, those guys uh, back then, those ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls, were, they were persecuted. They were getting tried on every side. It was really coming down, and, and they felt, you ready? This is a rough feeling. I want you to kind of think about this yourself. They felt completely powerless. Have you ever felt completely powerless? It's what they felt. 
And they needed some hope and Isaiah is listening to the Lord and he is saying what the Lord is saying. Listen, I know we've all got uh, our, our TVs on and our, and our radios on and all that. Uh, stuff's all over. There's a lot of noise out there about prophecy and about all these sorts of things. And I want to tell you, the biggest thing that you can do right now is pay attention to God's word. Okay? And by the way, let me go ahead and say this. If you're paying attention to God's word, that means you read it, you study it, you apply it to your life. If you're doing these things, you will be able to connect the dots to things that are going on in the world around us. Because God's word is true. Somebody say true. Okay, it's true. God's word is true. It's going to happen. That's what kind of is kind of funny. Like sometimes people like say, well, if we'll just do this, then this won't happen. No, no, the reality is it's going to happen. Bad stuff is going to happen. Jesus literally with his own mouth said, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. And we need to understand that this trouble idea for God's people is nothing new. It's nothing new. There are things you know that are going on even in our very own government and our system of our, our political system and government and politics and all that even here in the world, in, in the United States, right here. We have to determine whose we are. We have to shine the light of Christ in love, even though the crazy stuff is going on around us. But we can never bend the knee to anything other than Jesus in the Word of God. Never. We've got to stand firm. Y'all, if it can happen around the world, and by the way, I was having lunch with a great church member this week, and we were talking about things, and, and we were reminded that all around this world, the church is booming in places that you wouldn't think it would be. But where the church is underground and where people are having to meet in homes and where things are actually really kind of lining up with acts, the church is growing. But yet we see our churches here in America watered down. We see our churches here in America bending the knee to things that are just sin. And y'all, we can't do that. We can't do that so much that I'll just go ahead and say it for a record that if we as a church are ever uh, put to the point of having to make decisions that go against God's word, I want you to understand something, that I'll lead the charge to disband the organization and put you guys all in homes doing home church. Did you hear me? Did you understand what I'm saying? The pressures of the world will not win this, this fight. It won't happen. Because God's word will prevail the things that happen here that, I mean, y'all need to understand, this is why it's so important. The things that happen in Isaiah are happening today. Don't miss this. This is real. This is not a fairy tale. This is not Netflix. Why a child? Why a child? For unto us, a child will be born. Why a child? God could have just, I mean, man, could you not like imagine 
the triumphant fanfare of just welcoming in this King Jesus, you know. He could have done it any way he wanted to. That's not why he did it. It's not why he wanted to. He wanted to do it to connect with humanity. A a connection with humanity always starts with a child, doesn't it? When you want to connect with humans, you just put a baby in the room. I've seen the grumpiest people in a Baptist church. Not that there's anybody grumpy in a Baptist church. Okay. But I've seen the grumpiest people light up and their face completely change when a baby is brought in the room. Can I get a witness? Okay. You bring a baby in the room and it changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, you got the grumpy dude, you know, not that dudes are grumpy, like this, back there, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the toughest of the tough guys, like Larry Brewer, I mean, that's a tough guy right there, you know, and, and Larry all of a sudden does, you know, and you're like, oh, what has just happened? A child changes everything, doesn't it? Like this connection to children, this connection to humanity, this, this going to do life, it's just a beautiful picture of what God does. There's also this beautiful thing in a child. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, about the difference between being childlike and childish. You remember that conversation? And, and the childish, I mean, the childlike uh, nature of a child is very important to why Jesus came in. There's a connection point to this. There's an innocence. You remember the the words in the Old Testament? The unblemished lamb. Jesus was innocent and always has been. He bore our sin. Our sin's the only thing that made him guilty at all. And it's because he chose to have them on him. So a child is a connection to humanity. It's this innocent picture. And then there's the God thing. So... You know, we all have our thoughts, right? I have mine, and it's that I'm a Oakland slash Los Angeles slash Las Vegas Raiders fan. I can't help it. It's Kenny Stabler's fault, okay? When I was a kid, that was happening, and I, I just connected. It's just what it is. And I've tried to get rid of the colors. I've tried so hard because they make me crazy, right, Roland? He knows. But I can't. I'm still a fan, right? Back in the day, there was this thing, uh, we played the Steelers. Now, I was growing up, and, and, and this is crazy. I've watched the videos of thousands of times. And there was this guy named Franco Harris. Y'all remember him? We don't like him. Raiders don't like him very much. Because there was this thing called the Immaculate Reception that should never have happened, but we realized that day God was not a Raiders fan. He was a Steelers fan. And so they beat us and all this kind of stuff. But, but here's the thing. This immaculate conception truly, really did, really, for real business, happen. Mary, Jesus' mother, was a virgin. That's called, you ready? That's called God showing us who he is. That's called God doing something amazing, mighty, wonderful, powerful, that we can't connect the dots to that. But when you have a child that's born in to connect to humanity, that's coming here because they're innocent, that's coming to do so many things for us, this incredible picture of God in an immaculate way, an unbelievable miracle, this virgin is now pregnant with the king of the universe. Wow. 
It's something to take note of. Not only is it a child, but God's son is given. The scripture says right here, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The connection of the son is important as well, not just a child, but a son is important as well. Because if you know how the family works, that air, that line works right through there. Through the air, the son goes on to say this, and this is where, this is interesting. Now, you gotta, you got to go with me here. Because there's a truth of this. You have this air, you have also, you're carrying out the name of the family. And you might argue, well, wait a minute, don't you have to be married and, and have another son and pass on and all those things? Does Jesus have a bride? Does Jesus have a bride? Of course he does. It's us. It just hasn't happened yet. Right? Be ready for that. A lot with the Lord hasn't happened yet. We need to be paying attention. A child is born. The son is given. God has a plan here. You know, this is so amazing. With all the controversial conversations about uh, marriage and all those things like that. Y'all, look, you can't redefine something God's already defined. I'm just letting you know that. You can't. You can say you can. You can do whatever you want to do, but you can't. So much to say God even draw us a picture right here that one day Jesus will look, Father, the Father God will say, go get your bride, and he will do just that. He will begin the end, and that's when he will come back and get his bride. It's going to happen, y'all. I hope it makes you hopeful. I hope it makes you excited and joyful. I also hope this, if anything happens today, I would hope this, that you will today make a decision that when we as a church next year go through the chronological study of God's word, that you will join us and read God's word in 2023. Because you need to understand that God's word is living and active. It is not some ancient text that is old, dust-covered, and just sits on the shelf. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword that is going to make changes in our life and those around us. But we have to be willing to go the distance. Lord, put on my heart months ago that we're to go back into the chronological study with this new incredible staff team we have. Shared it with the staff. They're all on board. We're going to be doing this starting in January, and I hope you'll, you'll see some options of some some options of if you need to buy a Bible that's chronological and that sort of stuff. We'll also just have the, the text come out for you to study. But the point is this. We want you understanding and studying God's word like we're opening today. So that as we go through these difficult days. You have the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Good news. Jesus has got pretty strong shoulders. It says right here, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, I'm one of those, when I teach God's word, it, it's this passage that kind of scares me. You know, I was, I was talking with some, Brandon and some others, about this passage because I, I want to make sure that I get this right. What does this mean? This is such a big phrase. This is really a simple phrase. It really means that one day, the Bible again, Says this, you ready? 
Every knee will bow. Did you, did you hear that? Like, it's that simple. It means literally that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every government, every leader, one day will bow before King Jesus. Period. End game. End of story. That's what it means. He will bear the burden, the responsibility of all the governments. They will bow down before him. The cross itself was literally on Jesus' shoulders to watch us watch him bear the burdens of the world. And one day, we too, which I hope you're already doing, will bow down before King Jesus. Amen? He's got pretty strong shoulders. So if we're going to bow down at King Jesus, then he's got a kingdom. Thank goodness for Isaiah's prophecy because we can kind of look into that right here. It says this in Isaiah 9, 7. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom and establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. <coughs> I want you to repeat after me a, a phrase. Already, but not yet. All those things, <coughs> let's read them again. The dominion will be vast, its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom and establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Y'all look, we've got a problem. We walk around sometimes like Jesus isn't really this guy and this isn't really real because we're worried about things that are so trivial and worldly and don't matter. That we get off the main thing. If you follow Jesus, you ready? If you follow Jesus, you've called out on the name of the Lord and you are saved. If you follow him as your Savior and Lord, you are a part of eternity already. But not yet. Right? I mean, it is, but it's not. It, 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 it's kind of like that. The reality is it's already. It's here. And one day you and I, like Enoch, will just walk off with God. Yeah, they'll bury us or you'll be cremated or whatever. Those are discussions for you and your family. Good luck with that. But y'all, I can tell you this. That my destiny is not determined in this shell right here. I won't have to get on a treadmill in heaven. Hallelujah. It's all about King Jesus. It's all about King Jesus. It's all about King Jesus. Let's pray together.
Oh, Heavenly Father, today we come before you and we know that you have great and mighty things that you've got for us. This text, as we've unpacked it, It says that a child is born, a son is given. What does that mean to us? What does it mean that he's going to bear all the burdens of governments and all those things and his dominion is coming? Lord, today... We bow down before you. Today we bow down and we say thank you. And we worship you in spirit and truth. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We trust you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name.